0: Good afternoon brothers and sisters, those joining us online and also visitors, a hearty welcome to you all. It's such a blessing that we may be here again to join together for worship of our triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. May the preaching of the gospel direct our hearts and minds in faith and in trust to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and cause us to live our lives for his praise. The consistory has the following announcements, the Lord willing, the consistory's elders and deacons will meet tomorrow evening with the Seville Grove Steering Committee at 7.30pm. The congregation is reminded that this week Wednesday evening, the Lord willing, we will have an update on the mission work in PNG presented by Pastor David Pohl on behalf of the Mission Board and the meeting will commence at 7.30pm in this building. This afternoon the worship service will be led by our minister, Reverend Poppy. Brother, we welcome you to the pulpit and we also look forward to welcoming you again as our visiting minister. Before we commence worship, let's join our voices together and we praise God with hymn 85 verse 3.
1: Let's and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to our God. We're going to sing Psalm 16, the verses 1, 4, and 5. in God, let's do so this afternoon with the words of the Apostles' Creed as set to music in hymn one. Let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you that once again this Sunday afternoon we can come into your presence. The greatest thing, Lord, is that you are our Father, and that we may be your sons and daughters. You ventured into a covenant relationship with us where you love us, where it is your joy to bless us. We praise you that you have that character, that you're a God who delights to bless his people. When we meet together here, Lord, the first thing that you do is you extend your grace and your peace to us. That's a a really good indication of what lives in your hearts, in your heart. You're a God who delights to show grace. You're a God who delights to give peace. These are the greatest things in life, Lord. And So we thank you for that. We honor you for that. Thank you that you call us together here because you want to reveal yourself to us. You want to teach us how rich we are to know you and to have a relationship with you. You want to give us an opportunity for us to, to praise and thank and to glorify you. We pray, Lord, that the worship that we offer you may be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask that you work in our hearts with your Holy Spirit, that we understand your word, that we realize how rich we are in Christ, that we live a life of, of joy and gratitude before you, and we also express that in the worship that we offer you. Father, we also come to you this afternoon to pray that you would forgive us our sins. We, we do love you. And we want to walk closely with you. Yet, in so many ways, our sin still clings to us and it affects us. And we're sad about that, and we want to confess that to you, and we want to ask for your grace and forgiveness. Lord, thank you that, that we may have joy together under your word. Please bless the preaching and bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So brothers and sisters, this afternoon I've chosen to preach to you from Colossians chapter 3, the verses 1 to 4. The calling there is to set your minds and things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And in connection with that, I'd first like to read with you just the, the surrounding verses. I thought we'd start reading in Colossians 2 verse 6, and we'll read through to chapter 3 verse 17. You can find that on page 1169 of your guest Bible. So we start reading at Colossians 2, verse 6. We'll read halfway through chapter 3. Colossians 2, verse 6. There, the Word of God says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive to the world do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that, are all, peri- that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to, indeed, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So far the, the reading. So the, the message here, the, the theme of the sermon this, one, this afternoon is going to be that we are with Christ. And one passage that, that celebrates that, one of the psalms, is Psalm 73. In Psalm 73 we sing that, We would desire nothing other than to to be with God. So we're going to sing that psalm, Psalm 73, the verses 1, 8, and 9. sermon this afternoon is taken from Colossians 3. We read together, we're going to read once again Colossians 3, the verses 1 through 4. So in Colossians 3, we'll start reading at verse 1. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Then, after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from hymn 52. Your brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, the last sermon I get to preach to you as your minister. If you look back on the last 10 years, then the Lord has been very kind to us, He's given us a lot, of, a lot of kindness, a lot of love, a lot of understanding, a lot of joy in the preaching. It's really in the preaching that's one of the greatest things we get to contemplate his nature, we get to understand how much he loves us. We're confronted about our sin, we understand how much He has done for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, when you, when you think about who God is, when you think about how God relates to us, then that's just a very precious gift, and that's a beautiful thing to share that together as a congregation. And also, outside of that, we've really had a blessed time here in your midst. You look back at the last ten years, and you've loved us well. We've experienced that in many ways. We're we're deeply grateful to God for His kindness to you, no, to us. And you think about that, and yeah, then the time comes where it's over. We're going to go our separate ways. And there's a certain sadness in that. It's sad to say goodbye. And in our family, we've done this a couple of times, and we've kind of said to ourselves, there's a few things we need to remember during these occasions. And so the first thing that we try to remember is that pretty soon, we are all going to be home with the Lord. It's not that long from now that the Lord takes us to be with Him. And when we get to go home and we get to be with the Lord, then we also get to be with each other. The Lord has promised us that He's taking us into His heavenly dwellings. and We get to be with there with the rest of His people. And so it won't be that long till we get to have intimacy, you get to have a lifetime of, of living together and serving the Lord together. And then the second thing that we often try to call to mind is the reason why we get to have a lot of love together, it's not because we're such great people, but it's because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. God makes us into who we are. and God enables us to, to love one another. And He gives us a special time with each other. And then it's really good to remember that just as God lives in us, It enables us to love each other, so God lives in lots of other people. And he enables us to love the new people whom he brings into our lives. It's not about us, it's about him. It's about his spirit, it's about his work. And so he's hard at work in other people, and he enables other people to be lovable, and he brings people together once again. But then probably the best thing to remember is when we say goodbye to others, then We never say goodbye to the Lord. The Lord is always with us. In Amanda's family, we we had a sense of that from her youth. When I got to know Amanda, then half her family was living in Canada and half her family was living in Australia. And in my own family, we've often had that experience as well. We've had sons who've lived on the other side of the world. My own parents, they've, they've left, you know, their parents, and they lived in a country far away. And so within our families, we have a sense that you can't always be near to family, and sometimes you have to say goodbye. But the the truth behind that is that the Lord always is with you, and he never leaves you, and he never forsakes you. And it's when we remember that, then we have the most important thing in life. And that's really the theme of Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. The Lord teaches us... To seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now you read that over, and you kind of wonder to yourself, what does it mean to seek the things that are above? Does it mean that we forget about the things here on this earth? Some people who they take that approach—they, some pietistic people, some of the monks in the past—they kind of try to withdraw from the rest of the world. And they live on their own, and they seek to live in an intimacy with God apart from the rest of the world. So there's, there's a real withdrawing element that some people emphasize. But you know, it's really interesting. That's not the emphasis of our text. When God talks about seeking the things that are above, then the one thing he emphasizes is he emphasizes seek the life with Christ. He actually talks about that four times. He mentions that four times in this passage. The core thing about seeking the things that are above is we seek the things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It's, it's a recognition, acknowledgment that we are with Christ and that Christ is with us. And that's the most amazing gift that God has given to us. We're not on our own. No matter where we are, no matter where we go, no matter if we have to say goodbye to those who we leave behind, sometimes you say goodbye to loved ones, sometimes you have a loved one who passes away, And the most important thing is that God says, He says, whatever happens, He says, I am with you and you are with me and I will never leave you or forsake you. Well, That's the the great gift that God gives us in Christ. I've summarized God's word to you this afternoon with this theme, seek the things that are above for your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're going to see what that means. There's, There's four things our text refers to. You died with Christ, you were raised with Christ, you're living with Christ, and you will appear with Christ. So in what ways are we with Christ? What impact does that have on our relationship with Him? Well, the phrase being with Christ, it indicates a kind of intimacy and a closeness. If you think of those who you're with, usually you think of of those who you're, you're close to, your family members or your friends. And you so you can wonder, well, does being with Christ mean, does it have that kind of connotation, being a family member, or being a friend of Him? And it really does. It does have that connotation. In the scriptures, one of the, the key themes that God tells us is He tells us that He has adopted us into His family, and that we are His sons and daughters. As Christ is the Son of God, we also are sons and daughters of God. And so we, we call each other brothers and sisters because we share in that family relationship. And Christ has taken it a step further. In John 15, verse 15, he says, you are my friends. And so he uses the language of friendship. It's, it's not just a sibling relationship, but there's also a friendship relationship that we can have with the Lord Jesus. And both those are they're really close intimacy. But, you know, when you, when you read this text, then you see that being with Christ... It means far more than just having that kind of of brotherly or, or friendship relationship. Our text teaches us that being with Christ refers to sharing with Him in the four major events of His saving saving work. It means you're with Him in His death, and with Him in His resurrection, and with Him in His new life, and with Him for eternal life. It's in verse three that Paul says, "For you have died." And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, you first read that over and you kind of wonder to yourself, you have died? Now, what does that mean? I'm feeling rather alive. In what way have we died? Well, Paul uses the term to refer to our relationship with sin and with the old things. If you go back a few verses, you go back to chapter 2, verse 20. If you look at Colossians 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as though you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? So Paul says, if you died, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits, and the the sense there is, you die to something means it doesn't have power over you. It's not something you're under their authority. The elemental spirits here are the spiritual force of darkness. So God's saying here, you died to the influence of the spiritual force of darkness. With Christ, you died to that. And so the the spiritual force of darkness here in this example, they sometimes try to, to get you to submit to all sorts of crazy rules. Sometimes you have this sense, people will say, do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, don't have anything to do with the world. The world's evil, don't touch it. And they they mean the physical world. You're not supposed to eat, you're supposed to practice asceticism. And it's in that context that Paul says, that doesn't help at all. If you try to to withhold yourself from eating certain kinds of foods, or if you try to withhold yourself from, from touching certain things, that doesn't make you more godly. It may have a sense of godliness. You may think to yourself that you're being more godly because you're denying yourself certain things. But Paul says those things are from the spiritual force of darkness. And now he says, if you're with Christ, you die to that. And that doesn't have power over you anymore. The Apostle, he explains it in Romans 6. It's in Romans 6, verse 6. After reminding us that through baptism, we've been united with Christ in his death. Then he says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You died with Christ. You died with Him to the power of sin. It is through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ that sin doesn't have power in your life any longer. And that's what Paul means in the first place when he says, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You need to realize that you have a unique connection to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Christ is your Lord, He's your Savior. He loves you, and he's with you. And He defeated sin and He defeated death. He defeated the devil. And so sin does not have power in the lives of those people who belong to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we look at our past and there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. You have harsh words with your spouse. It's pornography. It's holding on to resentment against other people. It's watching trash on YouTube. It's seeking approval in all the wrong ways it's greed, or it's drinking too much. And you carry guilt with you. And it feels that sin has power in your life. You feel shamed. What God's saying to you, is He's saying, you died to sin. Sin has no power over you. The Lord Jesus Christ, He put it to death. And then the language Paul uses. It's back in Colossians 2 verse 13. He says that, that you were with Christ when he died. He says there, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. God's saying here, there is a record of debt that stood against you. When you sin, it gets written down. And the next sin, and the next sin. They all get written down and there's this long record of debt that's against you. And it goes on and on. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. He was nailed to the cross, and the record of debt was nailed with him to the cross. When the anger of God burned against Jesus Christ, then it burned up the record of debt. And there is no more record. There is no more guilt. There is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Well, this is the first thing that God wants you to remember. You are with Christ. And so all the guilt of your sin has been taken away. The devil has nothing on you. And not only have you died with Christ, verse 1 says you've also been raised with Christ. If you then, having been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have been raised with Christ. It was a time when Christ was nailed to the cross, and he went into the grave, and three days later, he came out of the grave. and He became alive, and he had this new life. He had the power of God within him. And it's not physically that you're raised with him, but spiritually, when you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are raised with him to a new life, And that means that all the old patterns of sin, they've been dealt with. And that's been put away from you. And sometimes we think about that, we go through that process, we confess our sins to God, and we know that God forgives them, and we trust that it's all done in the past, but then we look to the future, and we kind of wonder, and we think to ourselves, well, how is it ever going to be any different in the future? I know myself. And I know my weaknesses, and I know how often I get stuck in sin. And God says to you, He says, you have been raised with Christ. Christ has new life in him. He has power in him. And it's through faith in him that that new life, that power, becomes alive in you. The result is there's a new freedom that you have. You're not in bondage to the same sins. There's a new joy that you get to have. The Apostle Paul, it's in Philippians 3, verse 10. He says, the greatest thing for him is that he might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Well, he knows the power of that resurrection. In verse 5, the Apostle Paul, he talks about it. Verse 5 of Colossians 3 here in our text, he talks about what it looks like when you live by that new power. He says, it means that you put away sexual sin and covetousness. He says, it means that instead of getting mad at your parents, Instead of getting mad at your siblings, then you're patient with that. Instead of lying to your boss, it means that you speak the whole truth. Instead of proudly thinking that you know best and pushing your own agenda, it means that you have a lot of humility when you're dealing with other people. Earlier this year, I had a series of sermons on the fruit of the Spirit. Well, being raised with Christ means that the Spirit lives in you, that you have this new life through the power of the Spirit. God enables you to love others, to have self-control, to be patient and kind and gentle, to bear with others, even to forgive others when they sin against you. Well, it's not normal in our world, brothers and sisters. Most people don't do that. They get mad. They want to get even. The whole zeitgeist of our society is that if you suffer, then somebody should have to pay Something went wrong somewhere, somehow, some way, and someone needs to make it up to you and someone needs to pay. And so there is a, a spirit of entitlement and selfishness and retribution in our society. But if you have the Spirit of God in you, then it's not about self in the first place. And then you're a very different person than most people around you. You have the new life of Christ within you. It is through the power of Christ. That you can look at sin, and instead of being forced to do it, instead of falling into the same old groove over and over, you're able to resist it. And you're able to start to step away from it. So it doesn't have that same kind of power in you any longer. That is the the great gift of God through Jesus Christ. You have been raised with him. You have a new life in him. That leads to the third thing. It's really closely associated with that. Another part of setting our minds on Christ is realizing that our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what verse 3 says. Well, Christ ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven, and that's the language here in verse 3. He is seated at the right hand of God, and that language, wherever it comes back in the scriptures... Psalm one ten, in Ephesians one, in Matthew twenty eight, wherever it talks about Jesus Christ being at the right hand of God, it's a position of power and authority. Christ has, he has conquered his enemies, and he's ruling on the throne. And that's what God says. He says, "You are now. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God, who is seated at the right hand of God." And so, what what the apostle's saying? is he saying the power of Jesus Christ and the authority of Jesus Christ is given to you. And he enables you and equips you to live a new kind of life. Now, one of the ways in which the Apostle Paul, he, he works that out in his own life, and he reflects on that often, is with regards to suffering. Paul suffered a lot. But he didn't do that on his own. Though in the suffering, Paul knew that he His life was hidden with Christ in God. And he talks about that in a bunch of places. One of the places there is in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. While saying the truth is, for him, that he was shipwrecked, and he was beaten, and he was flogged, and he was stoned, and he was falsely accused, and he was thrown into prison. Yet He didn't give up in despair. He kept going. He was not crushed. He was not driven to despair. He was not forsaken. He was not destroyed because he had the life of Jesus living within him. In real life brothers and sisters it happens to us too you get cancer and yet you find your way through it through faith in the Lord Jesus you trust God you have an inner peace inside of you and the people around you they look at you and they don't understand how that's possible and it's possible because of the hidden life that you have with Christ you receive from the Lord a child whose special needs For most people in our society, that's one of the greater challenges that they ever face. There are many marriages where people get divorced after they have a child with special needs. Yet the Lord is a God who gives these children to us and who binds us to them in love and who blesses us through these special children. It's a great gift of our God. It's a lot of work, but it's through this gift that the Lord... He strengthens us, and He sustains us, and He equips us, and He gives us a beautiful experience through it. And it's because we have a hidden life with Christ. You work hard, you're gonna get a promotion, and someone steals it from you, or someone takes credit for the work that you did, or someone steals a lot of money from you. But instead of getting anxious, instead of getting really mad, instead of getting even, you still have this inner sense of peace. And it's because you have this new life of Christ within you. The people around you, they see that. They wonder how it's possible, how you can do that. Well, the life of Jesus is being manifested in our bodies. The sense of calm, the sense of serenity that we have within us, it is a gift of our Lord. And He's promised that He will never leave us or forsake us. We look the same as everybody else on the outside, brothers and sisters, but we're not the same because we have a hidden life. We know Christ. We believe that God is real, that He exists. And we're secure in the love that God has for us and that changes everything That makes us into new people. Well, it's something that's really important to remember, brothers and sisters, who knows how life turns out? Who knows the joyful things that God has in store for us and who knows the suffering that God has planned for us? The Lord knows and we get to live through it. And the important thing is, no matter where you are, and no matter what happens, is to remember that you have this hidden life with Christ. So that you look to him in faith, that you rely upon him, and his power will be manifest in your bodies. And the best part, that even though today we live by sight one day I don't know I got that wrong today we live by faith one day we get to live by sight the best part is is the appearing of our Lord Jesus verse 4 says when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory in a very little while the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return on the clouds of heaven it's an incredible promise And he says, on that day, he says, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to be with me, and we're going to see each other face to face. Well, if you go through your life, brothers and sisters, if you depend upon Jesus Christ for what you need to get through a difficult day, to help you through the hardships that you have, if you receive the strength that you have from the Lord Jesus, and if you use that strength for his glory, if you day by day, hour by hour, you have a living relationship with God, where where you know him, and you love him, and you depend upon him, and you work for him, that the greatest thing in the world is the day you get to see Him. You get to be with Him. You get to do it face to face. It's in John 14, verse 17. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed to His Father about this. He said, Father, I desire that they also, whom You have given Me, may be with Me where I am, to see My glory. Christ is saying, I can't wait for that day to come, Father, and I pray that You would bring that day to pass. I can't wait for the day where I get to meet with them and they get to meet with me. They get to see who you are and they get to see who I am. They get to see what I've done for them. And they get to understand how much I really love them. It's back in John 14, verse 3, that Christ told his disciples, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will also come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The great promise of God is is the promise that he gave to the criminal on the cross. It's the promise that comes to you, brothers and sisters. So the day of your death, he says to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's the day for all of us that he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you that you may be with me where I am. What do you look forward to that day, brothers and sisters? Do you live in anticipation? Do you lean towards that future? Sometimes we're young. We have a really good life. We're experiencing lots of things. We have a lot of joy in life. We're not really thinking about death, and we're not really thinking about the future, and we're just really quite wrapped up in all the beautiful things that we have here now. You know, that's not a bad thing. If you get to enjoy life, that's really a sign of God's blessing to you. It's a sign that he loves you a lot and that he's taking really good care of you. But don't be surprised that as life goes on that you get to see sin for what it is. You get to see the brokenness that comes from sin. You get to experience the breakdown of the body. You get to see what impact sin and death has on us. But it's in that context that you lean lean more and more to the future. You you yearn for the day where God rescues you and brings you into a world where there is no more pain. The great gift of God is that he promises that the day is coming near. And he says, when it actually happens, he says, your life is going to be, it's going to be different to an extent that you cannot even imagine today. Paul, he he used extraordinary language. describe the difference between being with Christ here today and being with Christ on the last day. I'm thinking here of 2 Corinthians 5 or 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What extraordinary things to say. Paul says here that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. He's just spent a few books in the Bible telling us that we are with Christ today. We are with him, and he is with us. We're with him in his death. We're with him in his resurrection. We're with him in his new life. We get to live together with him in everything that we do. And yet the new life together with him, when he returns to the clouds of heaven, it's going to be that much different from what happens today that he says, today, it is as if we are away from the Lord. And then finally, we will be with him. Well, the reason for it, brothers and sisters, is because the experience of life when you actually come into the presence of God is going to be extremely beautiful. It's going to be beyond comprehending how great it is. When you read through the prophets in the Old Testament, they talk about the judgment of God that comes on the people. But they always talk about the restoration that is to come. When they talk about that restoration, then they use language that, that is full of similes and full of metaphors. And they're trying to describe, they use the best things in this world to try to describe a new world that, that is very great, that is very beautiful, that's, that's filled with, with incredible things. And so they, they talk about these things and they try to, to build a vision for us of a glorious future that's in store for us. Well, you get to be with Christ, you get to see Him face to face. You get to know Him. Revelation 21, verse 3, God, He describes it for us, the very last, second last chapter of the Bible, He describes it for us. He says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No more death. No more grieving the loss of loved ones. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more crying. No more fear. No more aggression. No more anxiety. No more depression. No more suffering. No more pain. For the rest of eternity, you get to experience the peace of God. You get to have deep down in your heart, you get to have contentment. You will be with God and everything will be good. There will be no more striving. There will be no more pursuing because you'll, you'll have content. And you'll have rest. You'll have peace. In that place, you'll have this overwhelming sense of joy. Maybe later today you want to read the last verses of Isaiah 35. The prophet, he uses the example of, of this new world. He talks about how the burning sand becomes a bubbling brook. And how the places where there was no water, there's, there's reeds, and papyrus, and rushes that are growing. He talks about the lame man who leaps with joy. And he talks about the profound joy and singing that the people of God have as they they head towards this new place where there's no more death and where there's no more pain and where there's no more evil any longer. There is a new world that God has in store for you, brothers and sisters. What stands at the heart is that you get to be with Christ. And for the rest, you get to be with the people of God. You get to have the the beautiful, joyful life that God has always intended for us. This is the vision that God wishes to give you, brothers and sisters. When you believe in the Lord Jesus, that He is your God, and He loves you, and He will care for you. He's covered your sin. He gives you new life in Christ. Your life is hidden with Him in God, and He has an eternal future in store for you. Brothers and sisters, the time has come to go our separate ways. Thank you for all your love. You've loved us well. We love you too. As we say goodbye, then, then we do that with much joy, knowing our Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus is in us, and he is in you. And you are with him, and we are with him. And because of that, it's all okay. Amen. Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for the great love that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to be our Savior. We thank you that he came, that he accomplished for us what we could never do, He paid for all our sins with his death on the cross. But sin didn't have a hold on him. The devil didn't have power over him because he was raised to life. And then he ascended into heaven and he is seated with you at your right hand. Father, we honor you that he did those things not for himself, but that he did them for us. We thank you that you give us a true faith in our Lord Jesus Christ through the powerful working of your Holy Spirit. Father, we believe that we are with Christ We believe that our life is hidden with him. We believe that we shared with him at his death, that he has paid for our sin, and that sin doesn't have power over us. We confess to you, Lord, that we've committed many sins in our lives. Each one of us as individuals, we've done a lot of things, Lord, that are really displeasing to you. We confess, Lord, that sin is still a powerful force within us. Our lives are still messy because of the, the power of evil within us. We're sorry about that. We ask for your grace and forgiveness. We plead with you that for Jesus' sake, that you would look on us in mercy. And then, Father, we believe that you will forgive us. That though our clothes are as crimson, they'll be white as snow. You've washed us clean in the blood of your Son. You've given us clean robes to wear. And we are innocent and pure in your sight. Thank you for this immense gift, Father. Please help us to live out of that. Thank you also that we are raised with Christ, that we have a new life together with Him, that it's possible for us to change. We're not bound to continue to do all the sins of the past. What defines us is not our sin. What defines us, Lord, is our relationship with Christ. And in Him, we have freedom. Thank you for the new life that's manifest in us. Thank you that you give us distance from anger and from sexual sin and from selfishness from pride and from greed. Thank you, Lord, that you enable us to worship you instead of being self-seeking and seeking to honor ourselves. Thank you so much that you equip and enable us to love the people around us, to be patient and kind and gentle, to be able to care for, for each other well. Father, we thank you that you, you strengthen us in the midst of suffering, that you help us to bear up under it by looking to you. Father, thank you also that we get to experience that. It's been really beautiful to to be together as a congregation in the past 10 years. Thank you for the blessing that you gave over this time. Thank you, Lord, that your word goes out, and that through the faithful preaching of the gospel that we get to understand who you are. Because, Lord, it's only when we know you that our lives change. We're so thankful that you have revealed that to us through your word and spirit. We pray that you, you help us to remember these things. And then, Father, we thank you also that you, that you also bound us together by, by loving things. Thank you for all the love within our church. Thank you for the many members of our congregation who serve each other in love. Thank you that as we understand who you are and who Christ is and what you have done for us, that we seek to, to live by the fruit of the Spirit and to, to show that in our dealings with others. Lord, thank you so much for, for the kindness that you, that you have given to us. Thank you also for all the new members who have you brought into our congregation. We pray, Father, that you would continue to bring many people into our church. We ask that you would rescue out of darkness those who are, are lost in sin. We ask that you help us to reflect your kindness and compassion to them, that also through us that many people may be saved. Dear Father, we thank you also that our children could grow up to know you and love you. Thank you for the, for the love and care for the communion that you give us together as a congregation, that we can love one another, that we're able to help each other in raising our children. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that you've given to them here. We ask for your blessing over them. Please be near to our children, Lord, that they mature in their faith in Christ, that they understand who he is, that they rely upon him, and that they look forward to being with him for all time. At the same time, Lord, we're sad with those parents who have children who left the faith. We ask that you would please comfort them that you be a father to them, that you equip and enable them to entrust the matter to your throne of grace and to find peace with you. And that we pray, Lord, that you would bring back those who have gone astray. We ask that you would rescue people from darkness. Please grant, Lord, that they can come to know you again, that they're able to live with you in intimate fellowship. Dear Father in heaven, we also wish to thank you for the blessing that, that you have given to us as a consistory, Thank you, Lord, for the care that we could show over the congregation. Thank you for the cooperation that we could have together. Pray for your continued blessing over the consistory, Lord. We ask that you continue to bless the brothers with wisdom. Grant that they may love your people from the heart. That they're able to to bring your word faithfully and directly, gently, and, and with exhortation to encourage your people to walk by faith, to know you, to love you and to have an intimate relationship together with you. Thank you for all the faithful service that's been offered. We pray for your continued blessing upon it. Father, thank you also for the fact that that when we say goodbye to each other, for me as a minister going on to Carter Brook and also for the congregation here, that we can do that in, in good hope, looking to you for continued blessing in the future. We pray that you'll be with the congregation here and that in due time that you provide them with another pastor and teacher Bring them another man whom they're able to love, Lord, and grant that they can love him well and that he's also able to love them well. Father, we pray that you would please grant also that your word goes out faithfully, that week by week we can continue to be encouraged by the proclamation of the gospel, that this may lead to intimacy and relationship together with you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our God, that we may be your people. You love us a lot, and we're thankful that we can, can love you and love each other. Father, we pray that you would take care of those among us who have unique circumstances, I think especially at this time of Reverend Veltman and his family. We heard the news yesterday that one of his daughters has leukemia. We want to entrust her to your throne of grace. We want to pray, Lord, for healing for her, that the doctors are able to help her, they can find out what's going on and how to help her best. We also want to pray for brother and sister, for parents, that you also surround them with your nearness, that you would comfort them, that you'd be near to them. Please bless our brother in his old age, be with our sister as well, sustain their health, give them peace of mind, and please be a father to them. And grant, Lord, that they always remember how rich they are in Christ. Thank you for being their God, thank you for loving them, and thank you for all the faithful service that he's offered in this congregation as well. Father, we, we also pray that you be with the other members of our congregation who need you especially, I think especially of the, the older members, Some members of our congregation who who have a lot of pain and a lot of struggle with their health we ask that you surround them with your care be with those who have mental health difficulties lord there's some people who really struggle with various matters they don't often talk about that easily and openly often these are very personal things but you know lord we thank you that you know and you love and you care we thank you for that we pray that you grant healing that you grant peace that you surround them with your love and care and that you be near to them and to their loved ones Father, we also pray that you you assist us as we live together as a congregation. Grant that we may have a lot of love for one another, that we're able to show that in the way we live together. Please accept our thanks for all your good gifts. Please hear our prayer, and please do it all for Jesus' sake. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to thank God for his grace towards you through giving a thank offering. This afternoon, the collection is going to be for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. And after the collection, we're gonna to sing, to, sing to the Lord our thanks for Christ, hymn 79, verses one through five.